Hey everybody, this is Mike Nasty, the host of Tip of the Spear Leadership. Just want to take time to thank you guys for all the new subscribers, the returning listeners. Please like, subscri- subscribe, and share this podcast. Leave a review. We're going to listen to them all. We got a good one for you this week. We're looking forward to you all enjoying it. Please follow us on your social media platforms. Search Tip of the Spear Leadership for Instagram and Facebook. Thank you guys and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back and thank you for joining us. We're continuing to build this movement of strong and competent leaders. We're gonna keep this rolling with our next guest. Here we go, episode three, Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, I have my very, very good friend, Kim Webb with me. Kim, welcome and thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm excited to be here. You're very welcome. Kim, please give the listeners a background, a little background of yourself, your experience, and uh, what brought you into the fire service. Okay. Um, well, I'm a firefighter paramedic. Um, I've been a career firefighter paramedic for uh, about 21 and a half years now. Um, I was a volunteer for a couple of years before that. Um, I, uh, when I was uh, younger uh, in high school and in college, I was a lifeguard and I had a good friend of mine who was a volunteer firefighter who piqued my interest. So I followed up on that and did uh, a couple of ride And uh, after I finished, I um, started volunteering and applying to get hired. And um, uh, once I got on the job, like I said, it's been uh, about 21 and a half years. Um, I've been, I'm on the special operations team as well for my department. And I'm also on the uh, Maryland Task Force One uh, USAR team. And um, I've been at the special operations uh, house now for uh, about 14 or 15 years. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. Sounds good. Fifteen years in once at one station, or is it different stations in your in your department, or have you been at one place? Um, I've been at the special operations house for about fifteen years. Um, I have, like I said, just over twenty one years in. So I worked okay. at a couple houses before that, but being uh, at the special operations house requires a lot of extra training. So mm-hmm. uh, they have a tendency to leave uh, people in that spot. For a longer period of time unless there is a reason to move them so what you're getting at is when you go through the special operations training it's it's not easy uh it takes a lot of work and it takes um somebody that has the desire to be there to stay there and become proficient in special ops sure so to uh if you're placed at it's at station 10 is the special operations main house if you're placed there you are required to get uh, the mandatory disciplines within a certain period of time. And then after that, you're required to keep those disciplines um, through uh, annual research trainings that are uh, provided through the department. But you must maintain those. If you don't maintain those, they will take you off the special operations team and and also uh, out of Station 10 if you are currently working at Station 10. So there are people who don't work at Station 10 who have their special operations uh, certification, but everybody that works at 10 has to 
gain that certification and uh, maintain it for the time that you're there. So would you say the people that work at Station 10 have a lot of uh, experience and seniority? Actually, we definitely have people there with a lot of experience and seniority, but we also get new uh, members from the, some of the academy classes that come to us. But for the most part, most of those guys and girls are pretty squared away. Uh, so that they are uh, recruits that management feels can not only handle going through completing their recruit book and completing the recruit year in the fire service and in our fire department, but also can start to establish themselves on the SO team and start getting their classes and take that on as well. So we do get recruits to our station, but usually they are people who can, who end up being able to manage being a recruit as well as starting to get their special operations classes uh, after they uh, finish their first few months here at the station. So you have 15 years at station 10 and 21 years in the fire department uh, in total with your career department. Do you feel that throughout your over 20 years of experience, do you feel that informal informal leadership played a big role in getting you from uh, a firefighter or paramedic to a special operations competent and competent uh, rescuer? Do you feel that uh, the informal leadership was there for you as far as um, being impactful? Sure, definitely. When uh, obviously at my station, you have your company officers that are there to help lead trainings to help help you through your first uh, getting those courses. When I came to the special operations team, I already had time in the department. So I had, I was not no longer recruit and I had that piece of it um, taken care of. Mm -hmm. However, um, the officers that I had when I got to station 10, def, uh, while they kind of orchestrated and helped you get on board with getting your classes and such, the, scene, the other members of the team that were already at 10 who already have these courses and already had experience definitely help you along the way, help you understand, answer questions for you. When you go to the trainings, they're there to ask questions and work with. So we're definitely learning from each other and you definitely learn from the more senior and more experienced members on the team. Who uh, So that's basically, I would call that an informal leadership because they're not necessarily sure. officers. They're just people with mm -hmm. experience that you can learn from. I think we're always learning from each other, whether it's in the station, whether we're on a special operations call or at one of our trainings, uh, we're definitely always learning from each other. And uh, there's a lot of equipment and uh, different tools at Station 10 that we that we need to continuously review uh, to stay proficient. So that's kind of an ongoing process. Yeah, I, and you know, I, I don't have a ton of experience when it comes to special operations. We call it TR where I work. And mm -hmm. I've done a little here and there and I was never really uh, a big fan of it. I, I did it, I tried it, I didn't really like it. Uh, yeah. I, think it I don't think it's for me, but I think it's definitely an art form and, and I think the group of people that brings in, it obviously always brings in your very uh, motivated and intelligent people. And that's not to take away from anyone else. It's just, um, you know, the highly motivated seem to gravitate towards the special operations community in the fire service. So you mentioned earlier 
about uh, you guys get rookies, and you also have. Uh, I'm sorry, you said five disciplines. I believe you said. Is that? Uh, I believe it's. I believe right now it's the four initial disciplines that you need to have, um, but then you can gain additional disciplines after that, and that's encouraged. So, so you have to have you have to have your basic four to function as a uh, as staffing. We'll say, I guess, for conversation's sake, with the special operations team that you uh, that you work for. Right to count to count and the numbers for the day for staffing. Yes, and also there is a. We didn't used to have this, but at a point they. Um, they wrote into our contract that uh, if you are an SO member and you are in good standing, that you receive uh, $1,000 uh, a year for your membership. So mm -hmm. if you were to let any of your certifications go, you would lose, you would lose your standing in the team. You would also lose the $1,000. Okay. So you get compensated financially. So the reason why I asked, I mean, a lot of that was a little drawn out and uh, I apologize for being long winded of it, but basically what I was getting at is you start, you have the ability in special operations to start out uh, as a rookie firefighter with, you have the pathway to go from a rookie day one, your first day in a firehouse ever to being an operating special operations member uh, and you get financially compensated for that. So that for someone to walk in day one, to be able to walk in you know, however far down the road it is to walk in day one is now you're a staff, you're the, you count as staffing for that day. Um, that's a long time. And there's going to be a lot of highs and lows. There's going to be times where, you know, you're going to struggle, you know, learning all that equipment's very difficult. And people like you, Kim, that have uh, the 15 years at station 10, 21 years in the fire service and, and being on that extra, not extra, but um, being on that specialized USAR team, Maryland uh, USAR team one. Um, how do you feel that somebody like you with, as a senior firefighter going in, how do you do, what do you do to try and help these guys and girls stay motivated, uh, keep the initiative? And most of all, there's going to be highs and lows. How do you keep, get them out of those lows and also kind of, uh, keep them in their place from those super duper highs where they get a little cocky and you kind of got to have to keep them in the middle of being of learning, staying open-minded and then being efficient and then, and then uh, being productive for the, for the team. Sure. So that's definitely something that can be a struggle for people. Um, coming into station 10, uh, also being a paramedic, good, bad, or the other, like most departments at this point, we are short paramedics. Mm -hmm. So uh, I spend more time on a transport unit than I would prefer, uh, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I am on the ambulance a good bit. And uh, in between, I do get my suppression time, but uh, when new recruits come out, initially they spend a good, a good part of their time on the ambulance. Because first of all, we want, we need to, they need to be what's called quote cleared to function. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's probably across the board with most apartments, but mm -hmm. they, we have a short period of time to clear them at their basic jobs. So one of them is EMT, unless they happen to be a medic, but we have not had a recruit paramedic come to 10, uh, I think since I've worked there. So uh, but everybody obviously comes in, they have EMT either from the academy or they had, or perhaps they had it before. So one of the first places they spend most of their time is on the ambulance because 
not only are they learning how to be a patient provider, but they are also learning the area. They're learning how to drive their first emergency vehicle for a lot of people. Um, so they need to learn to drive the ambulance non-emergency. Then they need to learn to drive the ambulance emergency. They're also learning their first due area by driving. And then they're also learning patient care and just how to run a call, how to treat a patient bedside manner and all the, you know, uh, data collecting, paperwork, interactions we have at the hospital, all that kind of thing. And while they're doing that, they're also being, uh, they're also reviewing all of the fire skills that they learned in the academy. Once they come out to the station, once again, the shift is working with them to go through all the things that they learned to make sure that they're proficient, to have them review the things that they learned, and also to give them information and feedback as to this is what you learned in the academy. And then now realistically, you know, these are some extra pieces of information to keep in the back of your head when you're doing this and why we are doing these things. So, um, so I spend a lot as a medic, a firefighter, but also a medic, I spend a, a lot of time with the recruits uh, early on. Um, and then they usually have a, uh, they'll basically be assigned a senior person on the shift to, to kind of mentor them initially, help them with their rookie book, help them, you know, stay on track with where they need to be to get cleared. Um, and that's usually <clears throat> not um, a paramedic just because we tend to, our workload tends to be a little heavier. Um, but so I have not recently been a mentor officially, but I feel like I kind of mentor all of the recruits when they come in because they spend a lot of time with me. So I guess I try to use positive reinforcement to help them and constructive criticism. And most of the guys that we've had, guys and girls that have come through, have been receptive to that. Um, and we're, we've been lucky to have a lot of quick learners. Um, we have some guys that came in with no experience and it takes them a little bit longer. Um, but for the most part, they, they're eager to learn. They want to learn. And like you said, if they stay at station 10, it's because they are interested in learning more and doing more. So they tend to be the personalities that want to be there and are eager to learn. So, um, there is that aspect of you work at station 10 you're on, you know and this is a special operations house even though when you first get there obviously you're not on the team you have to earn that however there is that kind of there can be that bit of cockiness of working um somewhere like that that you do have to you know you do have to keep in check for some people some people not so much but you know you want to keep them keep them on their level keep them training keep them excited to do what they're doing provide positive reinforcement just but just sometimes someone might need a reminder to say, just know that like, this is still your rookie year. You need to get all, all the things done that you need to get done. And you just need to keep your, your ears open, your eyes open. You can certainly ask questions. You should listen to feedback and just be a sponge while you're here. So, and just trying to be there as a, as a senior uh, firefighter medic to answer questions for them, you know, um, and make them feel comfortable asking questions. So, is that? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that no, no, that's that. No, that was that was really good. And you brought up a few things that I want to expand on. Um, what do you? You did. You were a lifeguard. Uh, you said in high school, right? Yeah, and into college, and then I I was a I, lifeguard instructor, and I coached swim team and some other stuff. After that. so that so you you 
brought me to, to my next point. Do you think, uh, what do you think your time as a lifeguard and then your swimming instructor coaching, specifically the coaching and uh, the coaching side of it, um, what, how do you think that's given you tools to be able to do the uh, unofficial uh, mentorship, you know, the, the, the uh, taking the guys and girls under your wing, even though, you know, you don't have, you're not assigned, a, you know, a mentee. But how do you think those coaching skills that you've used as a lifeguard and uh, an instructor have helped? Do you think it, you know, what do you think? Sure. Um, yeah, I think as a lifeguard, um, and I was, like I said, a lifeguard instructor, I coached a swim team, and I was also a substitute teacher for a number of years before I got hired by the fire department. Mm. So I think, um, I think I, I learned how to how to talk to someone to approach to someone and to be someone where they feel comfortable, you know, asking for help. I hope that they feel that way. I've had recruits tell me that they feel that way. So, so you're able uh, to facilitate, you're, you're able to facilitate them being, uh, them feeling comfortable and you're approachable, I guess is the best way to say it. Sure. I feel like I'm approachable. Um, you know, if, if somebody seems to not be, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Holding up their end of the bargain. Like yeah, in, not, meeting, not looking, meeting their benchmarks. Or not accepting feedback, not interested in receiving feedback. They're not coachable. They're not coachable. Sure, not coachable. That that could be a little bit more frustrating. And then maybe, mm -hmm. you know, at a at a point I can I can be more serious and more stern if I need to be. If that makes sense. So I it feel does. like I try to be, I want to be approachable. I think I am approachable, but I'm not, um, I'm not a pushover. And mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, I try, I want to help new people when they come in um, as long as, as long as they seem to want to be helped. Um, yeah, so your, I would say. Your time, the time and effort that you put into helping people needs to, it needs to be uh, met. Um, from the person that you're, the men, you know, that you're mentoring. I mean, any rookie, once they get assigned a fire, a firefighter assigned to them to help them through their rookie book, the mentor and the mentee vote, it needs to be a 50, 50 thing at minimum. When I was brought up in the fire service, it was, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of formal stuff, but there was a lot of informal stuff from guys, with, guys and girls with time on that would take you under their wing. But the minute you looked like and acted like you didn't care, or you weren't, you know, you didn't want to listen or you weren't, um, coachable, they would stop. And then you're kind of, uh, you know, a fish out of water at that point, and, and you're, you're going to have a lot of work ahead of you. Um, but it's really good that your department assigns that. And the reason why I was asking is leadership is not a rank, right? Leadership can be done from anyone, and leadership can go up the chain of command. Leadership can go down the chain of command. So it looks – it sounds like with a lot of stuff, you guys have a system to where – the officer does uh, administrative and officer stuff, and then the firefighters with the time on that, that do the work, the boots on the ground guys and girls are assigned the new firefighters and get them through all of that. Um, I think informal leadership is very, uh, very important in the fire service. I think it's very important in the corporate world. I think it's very important in um, any situation where there's, a, where, where there's leadership and there, or an established uh, team lead. 
Yeah, um, and I'll, I'll say that also on our shift, when we have a recruit and say, you know, they have a, an official mentor, but they're, you know, uh, one of our senior firefighters has been working with them on certain skills and other firefighters been working with them on, you know, area familiarization. I'm working with them perhaps on their driving that we also, as senior members of the shift, we constantly are checking in with each other and say, how's he doing? How is he working for you today? Like, how was it riding with him today? And we will like constantly review with each other, like where we think the recruit where we think he is at and what he needs, but we're also talking to each other to, you know, assess how we feel they're doing in their progression. Village. It takes a village. Definitely. Definitely. And, and then you guys feed off of each other and, and that creates a continuity of, of a, of a good, uh, a good team because ultimately team building is uh, what we're here to do as leaders. And, you know, any good leader worth their weight in gold is going to do everything they can to provide everyone on their team uh, the ability to flourish in an environment to get much better. And that environment includes you guys and girls that are um, that are uh, at different levels. Um, and like I said before, just because you're not there, you don't hold a rank doesn't mean you can't lead. And that's something that I think comes with time. I mean, you you've been in the fire department for 20, 20 years, over 20 years, excuse me, 21 years. And, you know, you obviously have a lot of experience with all of that. And with your experience and listening to what you're talking about with you guys do that as, as the senior firefighters, what do you think the role of a senior firefighter is and how impactful do you think a good one can be? And how impactful do you think a bad one can be? And do you have any experiences with either? Sure. Um, well, I think the role of a senior firefighter with, you're talking about like with new hires, like with recruits and newer people, is that? Uh, so anyone that uh, you're bringing up, they can be, a, I'm sorry, I apologize. It can be a recruit. It can be someone that's just new to special operations. Oh, okay. And it could be, it could be even as, it could be even as far as a newer qualified special operations uh, person that needs mm -hmm. direction, how to continue and, and, and evolve and get to that next level in their career, any of those or all of those. Sure. Um, well, I think the, you know, the, the members of the team with more time in, more experience uh, are invaluable. Um, our officers, you know, have a role and they, they lead us. Um, however, they definitely count on senior members of the team to make the team function and to help along other members, newer members, um, younger members, you know, new members to the department or new members just to the team, or maybe somebody who is, uh, was there for a while and hasn't been for a while and is now back on the team. So definitely the senior firefighter position is, is very important when it comes to that. Um, having senior firefighters who are open and eager and willing to help people who are trying to learn. And I, I honestly feel, uh, at least at, on our, in our company, at our station, that if you are wanting to learn and eager to learn, I mean, everybody's got their days, but for the most part, if you want to learn and you're eager to learn, our shift wants to help you learn. Mm -hmm. um, because if we help you, the better you are, the better all of us are. Um, because we definitely will count on you when we have, when we have a call, when we have an incident. So, um, so I think that a senior firefighter who is open and willing and happy to help 
answer questions, teach newer members how to operate a gas meter, how to set up a trench box, uh, all of these different skills that we use at Station 10, in addition to all of the skills that you learn if you're a recruit in firefighting in general and medical training, EMS, um, I think it's very important to have senior uh, firefighters who are um, willing and ready to help. I think if you senior firefighters who are not, uh, who are more closed off, not open, not really interested in um, getting involved, see helping as just more work and I'm not trying to do that. This is not my job. I, I think that can be very detrimental um, to a shift, especially if you have newer members who are trying to learn. Um, luckily, we don't have a whole lot of that on my on my shift, but um, there definitely are people like that in the department, and especially for a newer member, especially a newer member to the fire department, if that's the kind of feedback they get, that can affect their development as well, um, because I think you know, people come in as either, you know, some are real go-getters, some are a little bit more, maybe a little shyer, take a little bit longer to get involved or feel I don't have as much experience. So it takes them a little bit longer to get fully engaged. But if they have senior members around them who are not engaged, who are not interested in helping or kind of feel like they're being, uh, uh having to go out of their way and not appreciating that that's that can definitely have a detrimental effect to somebody who is new into the department even just somebody who is new onto a shift or new onto the team they might that might affect their uh, motivation or they might just then say well let me see if i can go to somebody else to speak to to ask for help but they might also feel like i guess maybe i shouldn't ask because i'm putting them out and then that could hinder their learning. You know, mm -hmm. I think, I just think like senior members who are open and wanting to help, as long as the new member is eager to learn, asking questions and ready to put in the work that um, they usually work out well. It's all in what you make of it, right? So yeah. like, you know, it's it's always, and like I said before, you know, it takes a village and, and I mean, that's kind of a cliche quote, I guess, but it, it I mean, that's the, that's the truth of the matter. You know, it's, it's, you're all there together and it's, you're only going to go as far as you guys allow yourselves to go and you're only going to stop. You're, you're only going to keep your, yourselves from going as high as you can if you, you know, if you get your own, in your own way. Um, it's actually really interesting because Colin Powell has a, uh, has a really good quote that says leadership is all about people. It's not about organizations. It's not about plans. It's not about strategies. It's, it is all about people motivating people to get the job done. And this is a fantastic example of that. You have rookies, you have newer people, you have people with time on, but ultimately at the end of the day, you know, that informal leadership is going to get the work done. You know, I mean, your officers are there, they're present, they sound like they're fantastic. And I'm sure that they are. However, you know, you know, as well as I do, uh, the senior firefighters are going to be the backbone of uh, that team getting the job done. So Good. I mean, that's very good information uh, or very good perspective that you gave. Could you think of any times that are that maybe that didn't work out so well? Like, you know, maybe someone, no matter what, I don't want to say no matter what you did, it didn't work. But do you ever feel like, you know, it's not always, you know, the fairy tale ending of we all got motivated, we got this done. And then, 
all of a sudden everything's great. I mean, can you, can you think of any examples? You don't have to give specific names or anything, but examples of where sometimes it just didn't work. Uh, sure. It was a number of years ago, but we, um, we received a recruit on our shift um, that had some struggles in the academy. We learned um, after he came to our shift, um, he was brought to our shift. Uh, what we were told is one of the reasons was because we had strong management on our shift, strong officers at the time, mm -hmm. which I feel like we pretty much have been lucky in that uh, regard. But at the time that the management of our shift was felt to be strong. And so they felt that we could work with this recruit and get them on track and um, get them where they needed to be, even though they had struggles in the academy. And through a lot of effort of those, uh, of everyone on my shift, um, above and beyond what is usually needed for a recruit that comes out to station 10 or anywhere um they never quite got a handle on it uh they were never they struggled with um just the basics of the job um the basics of you know operating an ambulance the basics of mm -hmm. you know working as a, a firefighter basic skills emt and no matter what, we, we worked with them for a year and just never got to the point getting, um, getting the recruit cleared and to be able to function independently. And uh, he ended up not working out. Um, but we put, we put in a lot, you know, we put in a lot of effort and we did have strong management. And I feel like we all really um, made an effort to help get this recruit in the right place. But it just, it just didn't work out. And everyone is, I, I hate for this to be a cliche, but everyone is not cut out for this job. Sure. And do you think, um, I mean, obviously you, there, along the way, you probably had to have very difficult conversations with that person, which is part of leadership. Uh, there sure. comes a time where you're going to have to have these discussions with these guys and girls that you're not going to want to have. You're going to be incredibly uncomfortable, and, and, but you have to do it whether you're an officer or not. I mean, if you're in that leadership sure. role, it's just the, what's going to happen. Did you feel right, because the, the officer is not always there on a call yeah. or, you know, when you're, when you're actually functioning on a response or on a call and then sure. things that need to be addressed like immediately, obviously then as a senior person there, you need to address it. So uh, yes, overall, our officers were addressing the overall problems and trying to, come you know come to a conclusion but like you said on just out on the street when you're functioning we were obviously having to function help this recruit function and also sometimes function to, in spite of the fact that yeah. he was not pick, able to function independently you had to pick up his slack you had to pick up you had to pick up a slack and step in because sometimes when it comes to newer people, I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. Right. I think, you know, and that's kind of where I was getting at was, um, you know, talking about it can be uncomfortable and, and, you know, it's just you and I talking right now, but on calls that can be even more uncomfortable. And I think, do you think that that uh, changed the way you guys operate with anything? Did you like look back and say, well, Hey, this person didn't work out. Let's uh, let's reevaluate. Make sure it's not you know we the system didn't fail them. 
you know, okay, it was the individual, let's move forward, let's change, let's tweak, you know, or whatever, whatever may, you know, may come of it. Did you guys find yourself reevaluating how you did things? Um, sure. To a certain extent we did, uh, while that recruit was on our shift, we were got to the point where basically on a daily basis, we were writing memos about, about that recruit's day and how it went and what different issues we encountered. And we had him keeping his own journal of things he could improve upon and things that he learned each day. Um, so we were doing that throughout the process. Um, I would say that we, we all became, uh, you reevaluated, maybe you reevaluated yourselves and kind of realized that you, you guys are going to have to do some extra work and yeah, not extra work, but you, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to uh, kind of, you know, get to the point of, you know, this isn't just informal us talking anymore. Now it's going to have to switch over from, hey, I'm the senior firefighter paramedic to, hey, you know, lieutenant captain chief or whoever. Hey, look, we are, we're going to have to start documenting these things. We're going to have to do some type of formal improvement plan. Yes. You're kind of at that point now where you, you get out of that senior leadership thing or the senior uh, firefighter thing and formal leadership to now because there's going to come a point where this happens in any leader's uh, leader's life is there's going to come a point where you're going to be at the end of what you can do and you're going to have to move it up to going to your boss or your supervisor and you sure. know you do everything you can to build them up but at some point you have to draw a line in the sand and you I have to now hold you accountable by telling my supervisor so that's sure. kind of what, where you were at yes definitely we, we had our, our supervisors were definitely involved in the process yeah when it got mm -hmm. to a point yeah definitely yeah, because unfortunately, sometimes there's just people that you try to lead and do your best, and you have to know when to move from trying to be understanding and empathetic and, and uh, you know, that informal side of it where you're going to have to put put your foot down and it goes from, hey, look, man, you know, I'm here to help you. I'm here to guide you. I'm here to teach you and learn and lead you. But there also comes a point where I am now responsible to document this. I'm responsible to follow departmental policy. I'm responsible to my supervisors. And, you know, any slack that you could give and, and you go from that learning curve to now, you know, typically people don't do things because one, they didn't know they're supposed to, they don't know how to, or they don't want to. Those typically are the three reasons. So if I've taught you how to do it, you know what you're doing. You clearly want to be here. Great. You know, and then you're fine. But if it, if you did the, I taught you how to use the equipment, you know, you're supposed to use the equipment. You're still not doing it. Well, now we have to go in a different direction because clearly you, you, you don't either you don't want to do it or maybe like as you said before this this just might not be for you um, sure sure and I think that I will say one thing is that recruits could come out uh, to companies and not be a hundred percent but you know be able to function be able to get through what they need to get through and perhaps never turning to a shining star on the job. I will say something about our, about our shift and our company. I feel like when we get a recruit, like I said, usually we get somebody who's motivated and wants, wants to be there. Um, however, I do feel like we, we strive to get that person to 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 the highest level we can in a recruit in their normal duties as a firefighter 
as an EMT, as a driver, and then beyond that when they're ready as far as getting their SO classes and striving there as well. I feel that we do our best to turn out, obviously with their efforts, but turn out a recruit, you know, turn out a firefighter, turn out an EMT of, you know, of the highest level that we can. And As a person. Yeah. And I think that that is something that, that we, that we strive to do at station 10 um, and, and other places as well. But I'm just speaking from my sure. you know, recent experience at 10 that um, I think that's important to us. And we want, we want to make sure we, what you were talking about earlier um, when I say, you know, sometimes everyone might not be cut out for this job. I, there's all different jobs out there, but when mm -hmm. it comes down to it, you have to pull you your weight. If you can't function at this job well, mm -hmm. someone could die. Sure. One of us could die. A patient could die. You're driving trucks, emergency lights and sirens down roads, down highways, just in the response. You're treating patients possibly that have life-threatening emergencies. You're going into house fires, structure fires. Obviously fires are deadly if you don't know what you're doing. You're possibly rescuing people out of fires. Everything we do has high, a lot of what we do has high risk associated with it, even just responding to calls. So it would be nice to just to be nice to everyone. And we do strive for that, but you need to be able to function on the job. So if you can't function on the job, it's not for everyone, but it really is important to make sure that when we bring some, when somebody is brought into this department, that we, we, between our help and their initiative, that they get to a level where they can perform well, this, this job, because we count on them the citizens count on them. Everyone counts on them. So we are, when they, when they are cleared and they are a full member of our team or any team at any station, they are now a full member and they are expected to carry their weight just as anyone else. And we're going to rely on them as a partner in any, any one of many situations. So it's, it's a very important job. and It's very important to be good at it. Um, Everybody has their strengths and weaknesses, but, um, you know, we need to make sure that when we say somebody is good to go, that if something happens tomorrow, they're, they can be an equal partner. They can be ready to do all of the aspects of their job. So that's, that's a lot, you know, that's while it's, while it's their responsibility, it's also the officer's responsibility, but it's the senior firefighters on their shift as well responsibility to do everything they can to get that person to that place and every once in a while there might be somebody who just can't get there and it just might not be the job for them so it all comes down to trust and you also have to know when you can't trust somebody or someone has not pulled their weight they're not dependable you know and that's unfortunately that's just the way it is um, I think you you would be lying to yourself in leadership if you thought that everyone's going to be great and you're going to be able to change everyone. And there's times you're just not going to. You're going to be able to do everything right. You're going to be, or you you do everything 
the right way. You handle everything the way you think you can. You give it 100% of your effort. You follow your departmental's policies. And there's just times where it's just not going to work. And you have to know when to cut your ties. Because, again, like I said, I know very little about special operations. But what I can tell you is, you know, if you were to go do a high-angle rescue over the side of a building for somebody stuck, you know, and you're 100 feet up or a crane operator, you're 100 feet up, and you can't trust this guy tying off your anchor point or any of your rope. I mean, you're not going to want to go over the edge, right? And you need to rely sure. on that because of how incredibly dangerous or, you know, whatever, pick any discipline that you want. There's incredibly dangerous things that just getting ready to go save someone is incredibly dangerous and deadly. Larry, you said it yourself, just driving there, <laughs> you know, yeah. firefighters and police officers and, and uh, people that work on the side of the road, uh, the deadliest thing they do is is being on the side of the road and going to and returning from calls. That's that's always been the deadliest thing. So, I mean, there's a lot of things there. And, and, you know, with that, with that being said, um, another little bit of a niche spot for you as a female in the fire service and special operations, how do you feel being a positive role model for other women, young women coming up in today's fire service? How, how big of a deal do you, or how much, how impactful do you think you are? that sure um well i think uh, let me just make sure i'm not misspeaking here um yeah i believe so at this at this time and it just is how it worked out but at this time at station 10 across all three shifts i'm the only female assigned yes i'm the only female assigned to 10 and that's that's just how it how it how it falls at this point um obviously percentage wise there's you know there's way less females in the fire department than um than males um but the guys on my shift uh treat me as a member um i've been there for a while and so and so have a lot of them and i think we have a respect for each other um obviously there's differences um between us there's differences between us for a lot of different reasons but um I think that uh, we work well together. Um, I hope that other women, uh, other females coming up in the fire department see me as someone that they can look up to, somebody that they can feel comfortable asking questions of. I think, like I said before, for the most part, I feel like I am a, uh, approachable. You know, sometimes <laughs> when we're on a call and there's a lot going down and I, you know, have to take charge of a scene or like, uh, you know, I might not be as approachable in that moment <laughs> if I'm mm -hmm. preoccupied, but sure. for the most part, I feel like I, I am. I, I also, I'll say, I also feel like um, if you want to come, if you come to me and ask for help, I, for the most part, am absolutely happy to help you. Um, but I'm not, I'm also not somebody that is going to like seek out and be like, you know, if somebody is, um, I believe every, I believe everyone deserves a fair shake at this job. And if you reach out for help, I'm happy to help you. Um, but I feel like it's everybody's own personal journey as well. And you need to um, show initiative that you want to get involved, that you um, are here to do this job. Um, and uh you need to take the, the initiative to pull your end of the, you're, you need to uphold your end of the deal and, and you have to work at it. And you, 
you have to uh, come to work every day, ready to go to work, give a hundred percent of hundred percent of your abilities. And then if, you know, you feel like you have shortcomings, then reach out for help, you know, not, not just, you know, Oh, this guy doesn't like me. This girl doesn't like me. I'm going to go ask somebody for help. No. I mean, if you're giving, if you give it, if you're giving all your effort and you still feel that you're struggling and then yes, you ask for help. And, you know, I really like the fact that you said you give everyone a fair shake, you know, that's something that took me a long time to understand because your reputation will always, always precede you. Male, female, it doesn't matter. Your reputation is going to get there before you ever do. And I used to listen to people like, oh, this person is terrible. And I'd be like, oh, well, I'm not going to talk to that to that person. I'm going to ignore him. Well, no, everyone gets a clean slate because what I've learned over time is because you could have somebody that may, you know, for whatever reason, they may have not been going down a great path and realized it. And they're like, you know what? I want to change. And they may get a new assignment or come to you and say, hey, I want to change. And if you're narrow-minded or closed-minded about it, you're, you know, they're not going to get that opportunity. And, you know, you lose out on the opportunity to maybe help someone change their life, change their career tra trajectory. And you could lose the opportunity to take something away from it and make yourself better for yourself and for others. Um, the reason why I asked specifically about being a female in the fire service, because that's what we were talking, I looked it up. And it's saying that 11% of women nationwide, 11% of firefighters nationwide are women, 88.2% are, are men. So it's a very male-dominated um, field. But in, you know, in my experience, there's girls that are out there that can do this job just as well. So you know, it reemphasizes exactly what you said about it. it's about the work you put in and you clearly put that work in kim I, I know you do i know you you do your best to do a great job and i know you do your best to um work very hard at it and and you know any any female in the fire service looking for a female to talk to i think that you would be a fantastic uh person to be a good coach for that and the reason why i'm saying that is you are on the usar team now i don't know a lot about it but it's, it's called the Maryland USAR team. So is there one per state for all 50 states? Is there only a handful of teams nationwide? Um, how, how, does, how does that work? Because I think, you know, you being in that minority of, of females is something very good and something uh, amazing to be a part of that other young women can look up to and women in the fire service in general can look, look up to. So tell, tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, as far as the USAR team, so it's the it's the Maryland Task Force. It's a first of all, it's a FEMA team, um, and it's the Maryland Task Force One FEMA team. It's the Urban Search and Rescue Team for the state of Maryland. Uh, we did have uh, we had had two teams, uh, Maryland Task Force Two, which was a MEMA team, uh, which was a state team, and then we had Maryland Task Force One, which was a FEMA team. Um, initially, I was on Maryland Task Force 2, uh, which was located, which uh, the headquarters uh, was located in Baltimore, and I was initially on that team. Uh, I was on that team for a number of years, and then that team closed, closed up shop, um, and the, the Maryland Task Force 1 continued to operate. And initially, um, the Maryland Task Force 1 uh, team was not open to all uh all different fire departments in maryland um but recently 
they, in the last few years, they have um, started opening some of their doors to some departments. And one of those departments that was lucky enough to be approached was Howard County. And we had some members that were interested. And um, so I was able to, um, uh, I, apply, I applied and was appointed to, um, to the FEMA team. So um, one of my special operations chiefs, um, I had applied and then uh, depending on the specialties where they have openings on the team, they will bring some people in and then uh, to try to fill those spots and then they may, and then they will close that and then they may open it again at a point when they have spots they need to fill again. So I had initially um, um, submitted my application um, for the team and then they were not bringing people on for my discipline. So then, um, so then I didn't hear anything further and then they opened up again to bring more people onto the team. And at that point, um, my special, one of my special operations chiefs told me, hey, I want you to know that I, re, um, I resubmitted your application for you. And I'm assuming that you would like that. And if you don't like that, then you can do otherwise. But I felt yeah. that you would want that. So I, I sure. resubmitted that for you. And, and then I was, and then I received uh, the phone call that they were interested in uh, me joining the team. And so I uh, was able to do that. And so I do additional training through um, FEMA and through the task force. We have quarterly training and we have a big, one big uh, drink drill, yeah, once a year. That's basically like a mock deployment. Um, so we do that once a year. We have quarterly training, and then we have some additional trainings splattered throughout the year. And you have your initial trainings. You have to go through some um, in-person courses and some online courses to originally get initially get certified. Um, and then you maintain your training with those uh, different quarterly trainings and the large uh, training each year. And so, um, so I, uh, so I'm now on that team. So, um, okay. so that's another great opportunity. Um, and I'm fairly new to the FEMA team, but certainly anyone who were to join that team now that I'm on, um, who was seeking help, I would be happy to, you know, help them along with, um, what they're learning, um, sure. at the same time. So, and I guess when I go, just to go back to the, um, when you're saying as a woman in the department and, uh, you know, serving as a role model for, for other women in the department, I feel like while I'm not doing my job thinking, about that, thinking about, I'm trying, you know, that I want to present a good image for other women in this fire department. I just am trying to, I just try to do my job well and sure. to um, represent the department well and treat those who I'm treating well. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, other women that may, if they see me and they they want to, you know, approach me, ask me for help, I'm certainly willing to help them. I guess I just, what I'm saying is if you're motivated and want to learn and you come to me and want to ask for my help, I am happy to help you. Um, but I feel that 
new people need to show the initiative. And I feel if they show the initiative, there's people who are more than happy to help. Um, but I'm also not going seeking out members to yeah. say, you know, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, you're not going out of your way to do an all eyes on you thing. However, what the reason why I brought that up and to tie all of this together is, you know, everyone sees everything that you do, right? When you're you're a, a when you're in leadership, whether you're an officer, senior firefighter, the person with the most time on, you know, or you're the newest person on the crew. Um, I mean, I, all eyes are going to be on you as a leader, right? You went from 21 years in the fire department to being new to the, uh, the USAR team. And you said to yourself, you have to go and learn all these skills and these classes and online, in-person, all these things. And now you transition from being a leader with a, one of the most senior people there is in your station to now you have to switch foot and go from leading to following. Now in leadership and when you're an officer, that's my experience as an officer, there's gonna be times you're gonna have to lead or where you're gonna have to follow even though you're, you're the officer, you know, you, you, the good leadership comes from good followership. You can't be a good leader without being a good follower. And, and, you know, I think when you're in that position and you're very impressionable amongst new members, this is what I was getting at is everybody sees everything that you do. You, sure. you know what I mean? And that's what, that's where I was going with the, um, with being a role model is, you know, you're obviously a role model from your actions, not because you're seeking it out. And I know that you're not, and I was not suggesting that in any way, if it came off that way, but no, I know, I'm sorry. I, nope. no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I just, I meant just to clarify, uh, just in general, what I mean is, you know, your actions are going to speak louder than words, right? Your ability to be competent and confident, and you're teaching these guys and girls, and now you're into a uh, you said FEMA, so you're at a federal level of what you do for a living that you've been doing for 21 years, and you are a, a role model for anyone in Howard County, anyone in, you know, anyone that you come in contact with, you're a role model. R regardless if it's something that you intentionally do or not, people are going to look up to you, you, you know, because you're taking that initiative. And where I think a lot of that comes from is your dedication to your job and um being a good senior firefighter, which is why I think senior senior firefighters or senior levels of person, senior people in any ass, any business or any team have one of the greatest impacts there are on the overall team success. You know, I mean, think about how you felt when your chief came to you and said, hey, they didn't have the spots for you initially. Uh, I submitted it again because it opened up. I, I figured you probably want that. That's a good leader. That's stuff that, that you're going to Yeah, and I, that made me feel supported Correct. that made me feel yes. like yep. he, he believed in me and he was supporting me and i truly appreciated his actions yeah so yeah and then you know think about that that's all coaching right or that's i mean leadership but that's a coaching style like you know showing someone that you believe in them and 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 doing it with this action this specific action there's other examples people can do but i think when you put all of that together in total package you know that's again like that's what i said you're, imp you're impressionable amongst uh, new employees. And so I, I only said specifically women because they are very, a lot less women than men. So if you have young women that are coming in, working their butts off, trying hardest, and they could see somebody like Kim and say, wow, this woman's got 21 years on. She's part of FEMA. She's in special operations. You know, 
they could, I'm sure they take pictures when you guys do these training, like maybe you, there's a picture out there of you hanging upside down off a building. They could see all those things. <laughs> and now they're like, Oh, you know, this is something I could do. You, you know, I mean, sure. I'm not being, I'm not being political about that when it comes to the, the male female thing. It's just, I'm going off of numerical facts. So I think, you know, anytime there's a minority of anything, sometimes it's more, uh, it's easier to see, or it's more uh, prevalent, Sure. you know, and, and I think, it, you know, it's very admirable and, and, and I commend you tremendously for all of that. I want to switch feet a little bit though. Um, you and I met uh, in the pipe band, the fire brigade, mm -hmm. Baltimore fire brigade, pipes and drums of greater Baltimore. Mm -hmm. I to say. Uh, we <laughs> met several years ago. Um, I think it's coming up on almost seven years. This coming September, I believe, will be seven years. Um, and, you know, I've watched you come in, or I've watched you go from a bagpiper to you're now a corporal. Corporal is, is the way I understand it, is the first level in the uh, chain of command, so to speak. And the one thing that's unique about this band is it's all volunteer. So people can come and go as they want. No one's paid. No one's compensated in any way. And it's all a matter of what they put into it. So you're in that lead, and I've watched you grow as a leader, as a corporal, and, and, and I know I'm not just saying this because we're talking and it's 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 recorded. I'm saying this because I and I've, we've talked about this before. I honestly mean this. I you know I you developing as a leader in this band has been fantastic, and where this band is unique when it comes to leadership is I don't want to say there's nothing you can hold over people's heads, but unlike being at work when you know there's a formal disciplinary process or when you're in private business and there's you know termination and all that there's really nothing anchoring anything to uh i don't want to say structure but like accountability wise sure there's there's yeah. not a ton of accountability with anything so you have to find new ways to communicate mm -hmm. to motivate mm -hmm. and help people out and get them from wherever they are to where they need to be and and you've done a fantastic job with that let's i want to talk about that a little bit what do you let, tell me about it tell me about being a corporal tell me about being in the pipe band what you do and, and let's get into some of that leadership in, in the uh, pipes and drums. And tell me about the pipes and drums as well. I think it's something that's fantastic with the fire service. They go hand in hand. And I mean, anyone that's in the fire department or any actually really any public safety, they know the, they know the pipe band. So let, let's talk about that. Okay. Um, well, yeah. So I had always, uh, I had followed the band prior to uh, me joining the band um, after September 11th. Uh, I went um, to a number of funerals in New York City, firefighter funerals. Um, and one of the people I would go with was my battalion chief at the time, um, who <clears throat> a number of years later was one of the founding members of the uh, pipe band, the Fire Brigade of Greater Baltimore Pipes and Drums. He became the pipe major uh, at a point of the band. And... Um, I just saw how important the pipe band was to, uh, to family and friends in the fire service. Um, our band performs at all the line of duties, uh, line of duty funerals for firefighters and police officers anywhere in the area, military. We play at all the fire and police memorials. Um, in addition to some fun things, we play at fundraisers, we play in parades. Um, but I've seen the impo how important these bands are to the people that come to listen and to see us and to the families 
who have lost loved ones that we memorialize. And I just felt that it was time for me to step up and join the band. So I uh, asked my then pipe major if, um, if we could get together. And I told him my interest and he said, well, we need bagpipers. And I said, well, I have to learn either way. I don't know any instrument. So, <laughs> so yeah. uh, I started to learn the bagpipes and I guess that was about 12, 12 years ago at this point. Um, so I had to learn to read music, how to play an instrument. And um, at a point I started, while well, I was not officially a pipe officer in the band, there were times at different jobs there where my um, pipe major started entrusting me to lead, um, lead the band at different jobs. And he started giving me more um, leadership roles, even when he was present or other pipe officers were present, just so I could get some experience in that. And about six years ago, uh, I was promoted to pipe corporal which is um, one of the three uh, pipe line, op uh, line officers, bagpipe line officers. We have a pipe corporal, pipe sergeant, and um, pipe major. So um, I'm also the, I believe, only female line officer that our, that our band has ever had. Um, and uh, I've been doing it now for six years. So I, in that position, I, I just try to serve as someone that um, experienced and new members can come to when they need help. I try to provide guidance uh, for members as they progress through the band, as they learn more music and become more proficient at their instrument. Um, I, <clears throat> I uh, sometimes uh, lead practices, uh, lead different jobs as the pipe officer, if I'm the highest ranking officer there and even if there's another officer there, we, uh, we will usually uh, work together to uh, coordinate and accomplish uh, whatever needs to be accomplished and lead our band at the different jobs that we perform for. So I do that and I just try to um, help new members and continuing members, you know, um, to be the best that they can be and to provide them any help I can provide them in any direction that I can provide and uh, try to uh, act Guide as them. a role model as well. Yeah. So they can something to work for. And uh, we have brought some new pipers and drummers up recently, which is great. So. Yeah. No. So do you feel that, uh, so you, you're doing a lot of coaching and, you know, coaching, comes informally and formally and, and I think you took your informal role at work and it crosses over into your formal role with with the pipe band um you know you again you're leading by example right you're you're leading practices you're mentoring newer people and, and I myself I've seen you mentor newer uh pipers and everyone that I've ever seen you mentor has done well they've come up they've gotten on their bagpipes they become a functioning part of the of the uh, of the team, and and you know we've, as a band, have gone and and um, delivered some very good music for some very important events, um, you know, and and I think that's uh, the fruits of your labor. I think is a good way to say that, and I think that you've had a tremendous amount of impact, but I think there's a reason for that, and and I think a lot of it has to do with um, your coaching style, and you know, do you think? 
do you think by going to people and kind of taking them under your wing, do you think that's, do you think that's very helpful for their long-term success in playing, uh, playing the bagpipes? Because the bagpipes are not an easy instrument to get to be proficient at all. It's going to take a lot of work. Sure. So I, in the same way that I'd say about work, um, I, I am there. I am certainly there to help those who are striving to become better, to learn more, to, you know, learn their, learn their uh, instrument or learn their job, uh, learn their function. <clears throat> but just like learning your job as a firefighter slash EMT slash paramedic, becoming a, a proficient bagpiper or a proficient drummer takes and takes self-initiative. It takes initiative. It takes a desire to push yourself, to work towards it, to put the time in, to put the effort in. Mm -hmm. So when a member comes up and they're showing that initiative and they want to work at it and they're putting in the time and they're putting in the effort, for the most part, it's usually noticeable, quite yeah. noticeable. And so certainly if somebody is striving and trying to do better and need and is looking for help or needs help, they don't have to ask me for help. If I see that you are working at it and you're struggling with this or that, or you need some assistance, I am happy to help you. And I think that that's what grows good, uh, you foster a good, you foster a good active, environment. Right. Active uh, members who want to do well, want to perform well, want to represent the, the band well and enjoy spending the time and playing good music with the other members. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I guess I'm, I'm happy to help anybody who is ready to help themselves. Sure. And, you know, it's, you're creating an environment like a, and again, that's leadership, right? You have to foster the environment for others to flourish. And this is a unique situation. Cause I, I think I'm, I might sound like I'm repeating myself here again, but I want to bring it up. You know, you're fostering the environment for people to be motivated to do it. You're making, or you're, ha you're having people do things because they want to do it, not because they're being told to do it. Right. So, you know, that, that in itself is an art. Um, I think it's something that I think it's something you do a really, really, really good job at. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I've, I've seen you uh, grow as a leader in the band. And, and you know, I think uh, the band is becoming very successful, being is more, the band is very successful because of uh, your leadership. I think you've made the band stronger, um, you know, and, and I think it's, you're very welcome. I think it's, you know. I think a tip, a tip of the hat because, you know, it takes strong leadership to, to foster that environment, you know, cause there's, I don't want to say there's no, there's no accountability, but like we have a structure, we have, you know, policies and procedures, but, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, volunteer organizations are always the most difficult to keep together because of recruitment and retention, retention mm -hmm. being the biggest one. And, you know, people keep showing up, uh, you know, and, and I think everybody's doing very well. And, you know, I've, I've seen you, uh, help people in the channel and, you know, uh, help them learn some, learn some tunes and stuff. And, you know, the subtle, uh, motivation, like, you know, Hey, nice job with this, but work on that. You know, I've seen you do a lot of those, um, skills of leadership 
uh, with different people at different levels on uh, I'm going to say different instruments because I've, you know, I, I've seen you talk to some of the drummers and unfortunately you've talked to me about being out of time, off time a few times, but uh, no, I'm no. Um, but no, but I mean, it's, it's spreading, it's spreading across from, you know, yes, the, 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 the bagpipes are your wheelhouse and, but you're, you're spreading to everyone kind of saying, you know, Hey, let's fix this work on that. You're doing good with that. Let's pick this up. And it's, it's over. It's a global thing with the team, right? Sure. Remove bagpipes, yep. put, put in, whatever team you want, those things, the guidance, the motivation, the, the confidence, the reassurance, all those things create a winning team. Um, and, and I think it's a balancing act and something that I think you're doing a fantastic job at. I really do. You're very you know, welcome. I, had, I was talking to a friend of mine recently who's in another, uh, who's uh, management is, is in management of a different band. And he and I were just talking and, uh, just reminded me of, you know, like you said, we, we are in a, this is a volunteer organization. So people can choose to be as involved as they want to be. And sometimes people will not be as involved and then they'll be more involved and life changes. Well, right. Life changes. And there are things in people's lives, family, uh, obligations, work, all those types of things. And we understand, we have to understand that those things, are going to be important in their lives often come before the band, which often is appropriate. But I think, and this was a good way for me to think about it when I'm trying to motivate people that maybe feel like, you know, kind of laying off of it. Well, I'm just kind of doing other things. I'm hanging out with my friends. I'm doing this or that. While this is a volunteer organization and everyone is here because they choose to be, and that is absolutely true. When you are a part of this band, you are a part of something bigger than yourself. You are a part of something bigger than this band. You are a part of something bigger than your fire department. You are a part of something that reaches people and provides people um, faith, solace, makes them feel supported, makes them feel can make them feel loved, can help them remember their family members that they have lost, can bring joy to their lives. All of these different things through your music and through the band that you are a part of. And when we play for something such as a line of duty funeral, that's multiple bands coming together. That's called a mass band. Bands that come from all over together to play together to honor fallen members, firefighters, police, military when you play in an organization like that when you see the impact you have on others on families on friends you just to me it, when you stand back and pay attention to that for a moment and realize what a big thing you are a part of you are one person but you are a part of something so much bigger than yourself and this is a volunteer organization, but what you do is very important. And just to kind of remember that when it comes to like little nitpicky things that like, just, just remember why we're here. And I, yes. and it, you know, it's, it kind of becomes a little cliche, but like, just remember why you're here. Like, you know, we're here to yeah. have fun and enjoy each other's company, but we also have a mission. So I 
Absolutely. And, you know, that kind of ties into leadership as a whole, right? You're part of something that's bigger than yourself. You're part, you're representing something that you're a small part of. So mm-hmm. to tie all this together and, and, you know, I think that we've been, that we're coming up on the hour and 20 minute mark. Um, you know, I think this is a good place to kind of wrap this or put this all together and, and bring, you know, bring everything together. You know, everything you just said about the mass band stuff uh, is, is kind of a, um, example of leadership at its finest, right? So you're a corporal, you're part of this mass band. Uh, the, the, the band that, that I think of is the National Fallen Firefighters Pipes and Drums. And for mm-hmm. anyone anyone listening that doesn't know what that is, that is a memorial that's done every year, for na- done nationwide in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And it's for anyone that's died in the line of duty, where they have ruled their death, a line of duty death. And they go amongst different years, but it's the national level one. So that includes career and volunteer firefighters. Um, the International Association of Firefighters does their own, and that's usually in September in Colorado Springs. But this one is nationwide. So you have people from all across the country, and that's a lot of people. That's one large team. That's, and you know, and forgive me if I, mis- if I misquote this number, but I mean, you're looking at 100 people when it comes to the band. You're one small part of that. However, oh yeah, more more than a hundred. So yeah, okay. So we'll we'll say over a hundred yeah. for conversation's sake. Sure. Over a hundred. You're a minor, You're one small part of that. However, when you start compounding that, nothing works mm-hmm. without the 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 one the one individual, right? Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, you you as a corporal, or a pipe sergeant, or a drum major, or a pipe major, whoever you are, everyone has their own slice, or their own uh, piece of the puzzle, and you know puzzle cannot be complete without all of its pieces. Sometimes you're the corner piece, sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're somewhere in the middle. But you can't have a puzzle with every single piece. It doesn't work. The picture's not clear and it's not it's unfinished without every piece. So, you know, I think um when you're a leader, you have to remember that everything that you're doing, whether it's your department's mission, uh your band's mission, whatever you're leading uh whatever your lead, your team is, there's a mission that's bigger than you, right? You're, you're part of something mm-hmm. greater than yourself. However, you know, you're the tip of the spear. That's, that's what you are. You're there to guide, support, lead, follow, mentor, all these things that we've talked about over the last uh, bit of time we've been talking today. So, you know, Kim, I, I think, I think this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, you know, I knew you were going to be an amazing guest on this. I thank you so much for your time. Um, there's been some really, really good things to take away from this. Um, I know there's things I'm going to take away. There's some perspectives that I've never really thought of before. Um, is there anybody that you wanted to give a shout out to? Uh, anything you wanted to add? Anything uh, you wanted to bring up uh, before we close the show out? Uh, I guess I just, just based on what you had just said, that, you know, each of these organizations that I'm a part of, whether it's the fire department in my career, whether it's the task force, the USAR task force and my role there, or whether it's the pipe band, like you said, they are all, they are all larger organizations that I am an individual member of as well as every other member of those organizations. We're each an individual member, but we each have a role. And if any one of us doesn't fulfill our role or any one of us isn't there, there's a hole. 
right? So even though we are, like you said, just one individual person in that's a part of a much bigger organization, a much bigger event, a much bigger group, everyone is important. And if one role isn't being fulfilled or one role is, there isn't someone there filling that role, it's, mm -hmm. you can feel it. And so it's important to, I think, to, for, to remember and important for me to remember when I'm having a not so great day to just remember that you are a part of something much bigger than yourself in any one of these, you know, roles that I, I hold in my life that I'm a, a part of something much bigger. And so is each person that is in those organizations. And it's just important to remember while, while you are just one person, you are, you are part of something huge that is very important to a lot of people. And if you weren't there, um, things could fall apart. So. Absolutely. And a good, ex I don't want to say a good example because there's a very tragic incident, but when the challenger exploded, um, after they did the research and everything, it came down to a washer that failed. So an O-ring, uh, an O-ring actually. So think about that. You have yeah. the pinnacle of human technology at that time that was going to put people in space and the whole mission fell apart and had a tragic ending from a O-ring. So yeah. don't ever think that any minute part whatever part you are of the puzzle don't, don't ever think that you're not important because you are Le good leadership should be telling everybody from the top to the bottom how important they are because they are mm -hmm. whether you're from the chief all the way down to the kids sitting in recruit school for his first day staring at the fire chief during their speech everyone is super everyone is important and everyone has their place in the fray and they're all mm -hmm. they all have a piece of the puzzle so mm -hmm. So Kim, this has been, like I said before, this has been a lot of fun. I'm really, really glad to have you on here. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. No, absolutely. And uh, we'll talk a little bit after the show. So thank you. Um, yeah. Was there anything else, anyone else you want to give a shout out to? Anything like that before I wrap it up? Shout out to my boy, Tyler. Hey, Tyler. <laughs> my Love family me. and all my friends who have supported me through the years, including yourself. Thank you. And you've, you've been a very good friend. Um, people wanted to reach out to you, maybe get a hold of you. What do you think would be a good place for that? Uh, you know, I'm going to link all of it into the description for the episode, but uh, where can we find you? Where can we find your band? Uh, well, our band has a Facebook page, uh, the Fire Brigade of Greater Baltimore Pipes and Drums. There's a Facebook page. We also have a website. Um, and I also have a Facebook page um, under Kimberly Webb. Um, and if somebody wants to reach out through one of those avenues and we need to go further, I could certainly, um, um, provide an email. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, I think this is a good part as well. You know, if you're interested in maybe becoming part of the pipe band, I think those are good avenues to take a look at, see what we do, see what people do. And, you know, Definitely. maybe you could, maybe you can join a band, you know, uh, out near you where, you know, wherever our listeners are from, I mean, the pipe band's a good, uh, good way to give back and a, and a good thing to be a part of. So yeah, there's bands everywhere. Yes. So thank you, Kim. Um, You're welcome. And, th and thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we have more episodes coming. Please stay tuned and listen and uh, tip of the spear leadership, be present, be yourself and be unstoppable. Thanks guys.
Hey guys, thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. Uh, some great information with our friend Kim. Uh, you know, the senior firefighter position can be a very influential or a very destructive position depending on who holds the title and the position. Um, just, you know, a little extra on top of that episode. Just remember that, you know, you don't, senior being a senior firefighter or a senior leader or, you know, anyone, regardless of what uh, industry you're in, that senior person isn't necessarily the person with all the time on. Um, you know, you could have guys and girls with 20, 30 years of experience, but their work production doesn't show it. You, you know, or you could have this two or three year guy or girl that's eager, is doing the right thing, is working their tail off, is doing everything they can to get better, motivate others, and bring the team up and, and uh, bring up the team production. And they could be, uh, you know, the senior ones that can uh, set the tone for the company or the business or the firehouse or, you know, whatever you, whatever have, you may have. Um, just that's my biggest thing, I think, from this episode to take away is, you know, as Kim talked, is it's not so much about time on. It's about your actions. It's about uh, your motivations. And, and being a senior, a senior firefighter is, um, is all about the work you produce and your attitude. Attitude's everything. So thanks again, guys. Uh, you know, I really appreciate it. Uh, please like, subscribe, and share. Share with your friends. Find us on social media, Tip of the Spear Leadership, on Instagram and Facebook. Just give it a search. It'll, it should come right up. And uh, thank you all. We got more coming. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to keep this movement of strong, competent leaders going. Please feel free to reach out to me on direct messages on Instagram or uh, by the email link provided for my email address. And uh, Tip of the Spear Leadership, be present. Be yourself. Be unstoppable. Thank y'all.